Welcome to the podcast that puts a finger on the pulse of medicine and technology. On this show, you'll hear from investors, industry executives, and healthcare providers on the science and business of medicine. I'm your host, Omar M. Khatib, and this is the State of MedTech. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. So uh, this episode is actually a webinar I did with Dr. Arlen Myers, who is the founder of the Society of Physician Entrepreneurs, one of the uh, great uh, communities when it comes to uh, entrepreneurship in medicine. It's not only uh, open to physicians, but you know there's thousands of physicians in it, but really anybody who's a clinician and um, even people who are in industry. For, for example, for me, I'm not a physician, but I'm actually part of uh, the society. Um, and so in this uh, episode, we talk about um, what does it take to be a med tech advisor? And a lot of physicians think that it's just enough to, let's say, be practicing, maybe hold some kind of uh, uh, position like in academia, it's really not enough. And so we go through very specifically what that takes. Dr. Myers, from the physician standpoint, because he has a lot of experience with this, he's had uh, multiple advisory roles with, with medtech companies. And then from my perspective, you know, as somebody who was the head of marketing and in and, and various marketing roles, where I was cutting the checks to physician advisors, uh, but also picking the ones who I felt should be paid more. Maybe you'd be given a little bit more equity. So that's what this episode's about. Now, if you're a physician, uh, whether you're um, a doctor, a nurse, uh, any clinician, I want to remind you that this episode is eligible for CME uh, via your reflection, thanks to our partners over at CMFI. So when you finish listening to this episode, go ahead and check the show notes below. There's a link to click. Click that link, take 30 seconds. You're going to write a quick little reflection. What did you learn from this episode? And then you're going to be able to unlock an AMA PRA Category 1 CME credit, and it's free. Uh, the state of MedTech decided to cover all these CME credits for you, so it's all free. So a lot of our past episodes are like this as well. So be sure to do that. Now, if you're listening to this on Spotify, good news is that you can actually uh, opt to watch the video because we've uploaded the video into Spotify, so you can watch this on Spotify. If you're on Apple, we don't have that capability, but if you do want to watch this so you can see uh, myself and Dr. Myers in the comments, um, you can head over to uh, our YouTube page or even on our LinkedIn page. So with that being said, let's get on to the show. And don't forget, take a few seconds, give the show five stars and write a review. It really helps us a lot. Alrighty, now let's get to the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to another fantastic edition of the State of MedTech Live. We have a wonderful program today, uh, specifically for physicians. And the best part, the best part is that it's 2022 as a physician, you're busy, you're learning a mul you know, multiple uh, things from different uh, resources, whether it's podcasts or live streams. So if you're a clinician, whether you're watching this live right now or on demand, you actually can reflect and unlock a CME credit from this. So you will be able to get an AMA PRA category one credit. Thanks to our partners over at CMFI. I'll be dropping the link later and sending that uh, via email to all participants. But thank you all for joining. I'll be bringing on our guest. But real quick, I see a lot of people who are uh, sharing where they're joining in from. So let's see, Dr. Arvind Bohm, joining from Pune, India. Dr. Bohm, thank you so much for joining. Uh, Thomas Barrett from Portland, Oregon. Hi, Thomas. Julie Reister from Denver. All right, we got somebody from Denver. We got Francisco Rain from Santa Cruz, California. Santa Cruz is beautiful. If you're into surfing, go check out Santa Cruz. Uh, Dr. Abdul uh, Mubak from Ridgeway, Virginia. Fantastic. Jeffrey Beecher, that's a name that I recognize, from Richmond, Virginia. Welcome, welcome. 
So again, if you're joining us, drop in the chat. We want to know what city are you joining us from? And if we're doing a good job, you know, Dr. Myers and I are going to be uh, doing a lot of work here. Hit that emoji button, share the stream right now. It helps us attract more people into it. So with that being said, what's the topic of discussion today? Well, today <clears throat> we want to teach you as a physician how to pursue sort of a non-clinical career because you're busy at work, but maybe you have some ideas. Maybe you want to get more involved in the technology sector and become a top med tech advisor. Now, I hate to break it to you. It's not enough just to have, you know, trained at a top hospital or perhaps have a very high academic position. There is a specific formula and approach that you have to take in order to not only become a med tech advisor, but also become a top med tech advisor. For myself, I've been a head of marketing at various, various companies. I've worked in medical devices and biotech for 10 years. So I would hire and I would write the checks for these uh, top med tech advisors. And of course, Dr. Myers has served as an advisor for a variety of companies. So between the two of us, if you listen to even half the things we tell you to do, you'll find success. So with that being said, let me bring on my good friend uh, and founder of one of my favorite societies, the Society of Physician Entrepreneurs, Dr. Arlen Myers. Dr. Myers, can you hear hi. me and can you see me? Yeah. Hi, Omar. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. My pleasure. My pleasure. Great to see you. And let me bring up, there's a couple more people who, we have a lot of people joining. I'm very happy about this, but let's let's try and bring up a few more people and do some shout outs. Uh, we Dr. Dr. Khan coming in from Sri Lanka. All right, Dr. Khan, welcome. All right. Uh, Idris Harding uh, from London, UK. We got uh, Latif Kadiku uh, from Pennsylvania. Welcome, Dr. Kadiku. Arun Kumar Udaya from the UK. Fantastic. So we got a, we got a fantastic international audience. So I'm glad that people stayed up this late, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, Dr. Myers, maybe before we uh, get started, because I see people still filing in, um, if you can give like a little bit of an introduction to yourself and your background, and we can kind of get started and start having some sure. fun. Yeah. So again, uh, welcome everyone. And again, for those of you in the evening and faraway places, thanks for joining us. Um, uh, I'm coming to you from Denver, Colorado. Uh, my first career was as an academic ear, nose, and throat surgeon at the University of Colorado. And I did that for many, many years. And to make a very long story short, wound up doing physician innovation and entrepreneurship. And in the course of that, uh, uh, was involved with the creation of the Society of Physician Entrepreneurs. So thanks for joining us. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. And I, I should tell people I'm joining uh, from Southern California, right outside San Diego. So, well, great. So let me bring up our banner um, real quick. One second. So aside from going through some tactics, there's a framework that Dr. Myers is going to walk us through. And I just want to sort of uh, prep everybody in terms of what that framework work, work is, which is going to be problem, preparation, and pitch. And Dr. Myers, before we go into each one of these, you know, what do you think the most important thing about this framework is to keep in mind as a physician? Um, I think the most important thing is to uh, sort of ask the why, like, why are you doing this? Uh, are you doing it to make money? Are you doing it to restore the joy of medicine? Are you doing it because you want to solve a certain problem? But when you get involved with this, you really should have a fairly strong reason that's going to motivate you to be successful to do this because uh, almost everyone does not get taught this in medical school. So you're going to have to kind of go through a learning process and make mistakes. And I mean, it's a lot like medicine, you know, and apprenticeship model and residency. You, 
you learn some basic stuff in med school, but basically you're clueless until you actually get to see patients and work on them and make the mistakes and work under the supervision of an attending. So it's the same sort of thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think that's, that's a, a, a key here, which is there are some things where it seems like, oh, you just work hard. And if you do a good job, you'll get those opportunities. But unfortunately, that's not how the world works. You know, it never did work like that. It definitely doesn't work that way now. And so I think that there's some key things that uh, we're going to address here that's going to make it a lot easier. Before we get into it, I just want to remind everybody again, uh, if you want to get some uh, a wealth of great resources, number one, I'm going to recommend follow the Society of Physician Entrepreneurs. You can follow them on LinkedIn and YouTube. Uh, also follow Dr. Arlen Myers. Dr. Myers, uh, this is the way that I first found out about him many years ago is that he writes a lot of fantastic articles that are incredibly helpful to physicians uh, as entrepreneurs. And finally, uh, and I'll be sending a link out uh, uh, to this later, go to their website. So that's sopenet.org, right? And make sure you join. So to join this, uh, this fantastic society, it only costs $80 a year. I've been a, a member for a couple of years now. Um, I'm not going to put uh, Dr. Mars on the spot. That I'm pretty sure they're going to raise those prices at some point. So it's, it's probably the cheapest uh, membership you're going to have. And there's a fantastic network of physicians and entrepreneurs. So for you to connect with, you know, find roles, learn, uh, raise money. So I'll be sending it a link out to that later. So Dr. Myers, why don't we start with the first P that, that you mentioned, which is the problem. Why, why is this, why is this important? Can't, can't you just, you know, go and just start, you know, looking for these roles and applying? Um, well, you could, but that's probably not the most efficient way to do it. Um, I think that uh, the, the biggest mistake people make is they, they don't, they start by being a problem solver instead of a problem seeker. Hmm. And when you talk about, I don't, whether it's a bioengineer, a surgeon, uh, a chem, you know, an, uh, an academic uh, scientist, we are so trained in, in problem solving that, that we really don't do a good job in problem seeking. Hmm. And the biggest mistake that most med tech companies make or any business is they simply don't understand the customer problem. And they start with a solution looking for a problem. Now, sometimes that works, but for the most part, in terms of this conversation, you really should understand what you're getting yourself into. And I call this roles, holes, and goals. Hmm. So if, for example, you could be interested in drug discovery and development, medical device, care delivery, digital therapeutics, digital health, fintech, medical education technology, the list goes on and on and on and on. That's a very big ocean. So you have to sort of start with picking your spot. Like, where do you, where do you think you have the knowledge, skills, abilities, and competencies at the very beginning, albeit rudimentary possibly, but where's it just a good place to start? because you just can't boil the ocean. You can't be an expert in everything. So decide where is the best, to use the trite phrase these days, pick your best lane and start there. Could be med tech, could be digital health, whatever. So the first is, um, and then what role do you wanna play? So, so, 
so the role is, do you want to be an advisor? Do you want to be a consultant? Do you want to be on a board of directors? Do you want to be on a management team? Do you want to be a founder? That's going to take a while. It's, it's kind of like rotating on rotations in medical school. And you don't know, you don't know what these things are like. So you spend six weeks in OBGYN. And I can tell you, it took me five minutes in my rotation in OBGYN to decide that is not what I wanted to do when I grew up. And I could fig I could name like six or eight specialties. It took me 10 minutes. It's like speed dating. I just <laughs> knew that's not what I wanted to do. I, I have to I have to ask you a question about that. Um, and for those who are who are I, I you know new to me, so in a former life, I was in medical school at Texas Tech and decided to leave and pursue a, a career in technology. But would you agree, Dr. Myers, one of the pieces of advice that I got in medical school, and I still use it today for advising physicians, is that you have to find something where your personality is going to fit. Absolutely. That's why generally, that's why most medical students pick the specialty they pick. The, the determinant factor, I think, and it's, I think, been shown, is the personality of the specialty. And we all know certain specialists have certain personalities. We don't need to go into them, but you know, <laughs> you, you know what I mean, whether it's a heart, a heart surgeon or a psychiatrist or a neurosurgeon it's, or you name it. It's funny how, how that's, it's so true. It's right. so true. So it's just the tribe. It's a sub tribe of the tribe. So if that works for you, then maybe, and then the second determinant usually is the attitude of the residents. Because you don't really have a whole lot of interaction as a medical student with the attendings, but you're spending all this time with the residents. So you're asking them, well, you like this? And what's it like? And yeah, what's this guy like? And all that, or this girl. And it, it just, that's just the way it works. So yeah, there has to be a fit. It's just like dating. You know, it takes you, two, what, three seconds to figure out whether you want another date with this person. So it's the same, same kind of deal. So anyway. Absolutely. So it starts with roles, holes, and goals. So what role do you want to play? What hole do you want to fill? What is the problem you're trying to solve? And what is what are your goals and objectives? I mean, what what does this person want you to do? What is the next critical success factor that they might hire you to help achieve? And do you have the knowledge, skills, abilities, and competencies to get there? So I, I think that's what I mean by it's actually more extensive than just the problem. It's really the roles, holes, and goals. Absolutely. And if there's one piece of advice I would tell physicians, because, you know, I've been very grateful that through LinkedIn, a lot of physicians reach out to me for advice or they attend webinars like this. The one thing I would say is that, you know, really pay attention to your intuition, where your interests are taking you, right? And what fits your personality, because what sometimes happens, and Dr. Myers, I wonder if you see this with a lot of uh, uh, new physician entrepreneurs, is their ego kind of kicks in when let's say a really big company or a startup that's raised a lot of money approaches them to advise and in reality they don't care about the problem the startup is solving they're not interested in technology but because of the ego side of like oh i'll be an advisor at this company they take that on and they they just end up being miserable and they they do they 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 hurt their professional uh uh image right because they don't deliver well for the startup Right. Do you do you see that happening uh, often? Yeah, ego, ego and greed. I mean, I think there's a lot of there are a lot of emotions that motivate entrepreneurs to do stuff. I'm not saying that ego and greed are necessarily it's like the old '80s movie are necessarily horrible and don't absolutely don't do it. It's part of the equation, it's, right? It's part of the equation, but 
if you're going to if you're going to take the long view, that's only going to get you so far and it probably will get you into trouble at some time in your career. So I generally agree with what you're saying. I, I don't want to say, no, don't ever do it because that's not just reality. Some people do this to make money. So Absolutely. that's fine. But you have to know your limits and you have to sort of draw the line. And and the way I summarize that part of the conversation is you make it personal, but you don't take it personally. In other words, there there has to be an inner motivation, an inner something that is going to hold you instead over the long run, knowing that you are going to fail fairly frequently. You're, you're first of all, it's going to be a short term gig. You no, know, I mean you, you don't mm -hmm. get hired to do these things forever. Yeah, and somebody may ghost you. They may say, "No, you're really not doing what I paid you to do." It's, you're it's doing just a like dating. Job. It's like dating, right? It's just like dating. So you get the axe, and then you say, "Oh, gee, you know, and you, I, I'm going to eat worms. This is horrible. I don't ever want to do it again." You don't take it personally, but I, but you have to make it personal. If it, if it's not a good fit, then it's not going to work. I, I like. I'm going to have to quote you on that. You know, don't take it person. Don't take it personal, But you gotta. You gotta make it personal. I absolutely agree. Just a quick side note, Doctor Mars, because I've I've gotten uh, three mess three direct messages and somebody okay. in the chat regarding the Society of Physician Entrepreneurs. So, um, uh, where where is it? Alithia was asking, you know, if you're a physician assistant, can you join the society? Yeah, so sure. yes. So I'm not a physician. I can join. So the the society is called the Society of Physician Entrepreneurs. It's open to anybody. If you're into innovation, entrepreneurship, join. Uh, you know, I, I've joined, and so I've been able to join different webinars and masterminds that Dr. Myers has to provide my knowledge. And of course, I gain a lot of inf uh, information from the group as well. So it's open to everyone. So I'll send the link out later. Great. Yeah. Good question. Perfect. So, Dr. Myers, let's let's move on to the second P. So you covered okay. the problem. All right. So. You start, so you got sort of the lay of the land. You have a rough idea, and this is kind of like again, this is this is like an experiment, and you're gonna you're gonna put a toe in the water, and you're gonna crawl before you walk, before you run. So you decide, okay, I want to do med tech. That sounds pretty cool. I want, you know, I'm a gadgeteer, like me. I'm an ENT doctor, so we're gadgeteers, like ophthalmologists and orthopedists and invasive cardiologists. We like gadgets. We don't do a whole lot of drugs. We don't do a whole lot of other stuff. We're, we like toys. So uh, med tech sounds like a good gig. So that's a good place to start for somebody like me or you, if you happen to be at that mindset. Okay. So next step is you got to prepare yourself um, uh, to go down this road. Now, I've written an article that you can allude to and we can put in the chat or sometimes later, the six R's of career transitioning. Mm -hmm. And this essentially is a process of um, uh, understanding reflective uh, analysis to begin with. Like you keep asking yourself these questions, where do I wanna go? How do I wanna get there? What are, what are my knowledge, skills and abilities? How's my network? How am I gonna reach out to folks to help me out? Um, so you have to go through sort of a preparatory phase of career transitioning, and, and there's a lot to this. And, and we, myself and some other people, in fact, we have an entire program on uh, career transitioning for clinicians. Like, how do you do this? Because you're not going to learn this in medical school, but you talk to other people like on this call and myself and others, like, how'd you do it? And what mistakes did you make? And what are the pitfalls? So it's like, again, it's like being in surgery. You're the resident. I'm standing across from you. Don't cut that. <laughs> Same thing. Like, don't do that. I can tell you what's going to happen. So 
that's the kind of preparation phase that you have to go through. And we can discuss that in detail if you'd like, but just to cover the headlines so we get through some of this stuff. So that's what it's about. Now, the, the, the bottom line to this is that just because you have a bunch of initials after your name, that is not going to get you there. Oh, can you can you please repeat that one more time? <laughs> I, I, all the physicians, and I'm sorry, I'm, I say this with love because my father's a surgeon. I was in chemistry, especially the surgeons. Please listen to please listen to what Dr. Myers just said. Can you repeat that right. one more time? So, just because you have a bunch of initials after your name, does not mean that that's going to get you there. Now, there is actually a a book called "What Got You Here Won't Get You There." And it basically means you have to sort of lifelong learning, you have to adapt, you have to change, you have to have a growth mindset, all that other business. But the point is that when you're trying, when you're looking for a gig with a med tech company in this instance, I mean, they, they, they may want you to do a whole lot of stuff, but being a subject matter expert in otolaryngology is probably the least important thing they want you to do. They, so you have to have some understanding of the business of medicine. You have to have some understanding specifically of how does a medical device get to market. You have to understand what is the value chain and why are they even talking to you? Again, what hole are you trying to fill in what they're trying to accomplish and what problem are they trying to solve? Is it subject, is it subject matter expertise? Maybe, but probably not so much. Maybe they want you to raise money. Maybe they want you to help and open doors. Maybe they want to get personal warm introductions to people that work in the C-suite that won't give you the time of day. Maybe they want you to connect to people who may want to work for the company. Maybe they want some management or, or business judgment expertise. But there's probably not a whole lot about how do you do endoscopic sinus surgery? in my particular case, or whatever your specialty happens to be. So again, the headline for this piece is you have to come down off the mountain mm -hmm. because every doctor and scientist think they know everything. And don't tell me how to do what I do. I mean, you're not a doctor. I know everything there is to know about ENT surgery. It just doesn't work. So you Absolutely. have to have a growth mindset you have to come down off the mountain. You have to realize that you don't know what you don't know, and that's okay. Then you go through the process of filling in the gaps, and that's a, that's part of the preparatory phase. Absolutely, and <clears throat> something that I want to I want to kind of you know bring up and just comment on because this is an uh, an area where I've I feel like one of the more common areas I have to coach physicians on is that if it's a new physician, even if they've do, been doing this for a while, they decide to start advising a company, it's perfectly reasonable to, of course, get paid for this, that, that you, you should get paid, right? Now, don't do things for free. <laughs> but on the other side is that people jump right away to, I want to get advisory shares and equity, right? And then from there, an advisory seat. Something you have to keep in mind is you have to put yourself in the position of the company, right? And ask yourself, okay, I'll be valuable to this company at this segment of their growth. But in three years or five years, will I still be that valuable? And that's a hard question to ask yourself. And most of the time, most of the time, the answer is no, which is why when it comes to getting an advisory seat, 
What I would suggest is that rather than pushing for it, because I've had physicians at startups I've been at where they say, hey, I want more equity and, or, or I want to be like listed as an advisor or else I'm not going to help you guys anymore. And I have to have an honest conversation and say, listen, if I give you that advisory seat right now, right, and I give you that equity, it's going to make you happy, right? It's going to be great. But it, I don't know what phase of the company we're going to be in in a year or two from now. And if I do that, I'm jeopardizing my job with the board because I've given away there's only so many, you can't have 10 advisors for a company. It's, it's very, very difficult to, to, to get those roles. And so what I recommend to physician is if you have that interest, if you believe in a company's technology, you believe in their mission, you're, you're very deeply interested in, in the problem they're solving, go and say, hey, I, I, I'm going to help you guys out. Tell me, first of all, what I have to do to make it you know, a great engagement. What I always tell people is say, pretend I'm a magical genie. And I, I even asked Dr. Myers this when we first met. If I'm a magic, magical genie in a year from now, three wishes come true that make you say the best thing I did was work with this person. What would those things have to be? Now you understand exactly what you need to do to you know, help that startup versus you might do things that you think are helpful, but for the startup, they're, they're like, that wasn't helpful. Don't guess. Again, just like dating, ask them what they want, right? And then when you learn those things, deliver on them. Upon delivering on them, you can suggest or say, hey, listen, I have an interest to be in the long haul with you guys. If I fit the role of be potentially becoming an advisor and sitting on your advisory board, I would love that opportunity. And if not, either way, tell me what it would take to get into that position so that maybe I can prepare to do that at another company, right? That's the way to, to approach it. Dr. Myers, I mean, what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Do you have maybe a, a different approach? or? Well, yeah, just a couple of things uh, just that you mentioned. Number one, when I said what gets you here won't get you there. In other words, just because you went to medical school or a PhD or whatever isn't going to. That's true. But you definitely have transferable skills that will get you there. So it's not entirely true. And you should really, as part of the preparation phase and the introspective phase, identify your, your transferable skills. And physicians and scientists have a lot. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't need to tell you that. I, we don't have time to go through them all. But, I mean, we're good at a whole lot of stuff that's applicable to what you're trying to do. Sure, we have gaps in certain areas of knowledge. But don't ignore the, tran the transferable skills that you've spent a very long time developing. Absolutely. So that's, that's number one. So it's not entirely true. Number I, two, I totally disagree with the statement. Don't work for free because that's a dead end. You're, you, you have to demonstrate your capabilities. And there's I, agree. A whole I would lot, agree with that. There's a whole lot of intangible benefits, tangible benefits, compensation, intangible benefits. In, it's like that old commercial about the credit card you know it's it's priceless you meet people you make connections you learn on somebody else's nickel you make mistakes that you're not going to make before you kind of you experiment so there's lots of times and oh by the way it's fun and you That's just true. like working with these people and it's fun and you get to do stuff and who knows you stuff comes they give you stuff you go to meetings sometimes they pay for stuff so don't ignore, I'll, don't ignore I'll, working for free. Don't do it forever. But yeah, yeah. and I'll, I'll clarify. I, I complete I that I completely agree. And even I even tell um, whether it's physicians or people who are starting their career that, you know, 
take on responsibility that you're not going to get paid for. That's that's absolutely true. But you, I think maybe what we're both saying is, is you have to look at the way you get paid in a more sophisticated fashion, which is it may not be directly getting cash, but if a company is going to fly you out to a conference and they cover things, take advantage of that. If you're going to spend time with the CEO and board meetings, that's priceless. You can't pay for those kind of things. I personally have done things for free early in my career just so I can sit in certain meetings and the knowledge I got to those meetings was priceless. Uh, we got a lot of questions. So before we get uh, move on, I'm going to bring up some of the questions for you to, to ask. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, and I'm, well, let me just, make... so let me just complete the, the three. Oh yeah, please. Yeah. Go, go, go right. for it. So we started with the problem, then you go through the preparation. And finally there's what I would call the pitch, which is essentially, okay, here's where I want to work. I'm, I, I did an inventory of what I need to build and I'm going to do that. But now I want to go out and actually find a job. So how do I do that? So this just comes under the rubric of pitching. And it means you essentially use the four P's of marketing, product, price, promotion, and place. Place means distribution. How do you get your product to somebody? Point of sales, social media, face-to-face, -face, brochure, whatever. And product means you. You are the product. So you are developing yourself as the product. You're going to price your services. You're going to promote your services, whether it's face-to-face -face or digital or whatever. And you're going to figure out the best place to do that. So that's what I mean by pitching. So now we can go to the questions. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let me bring up, we had some great questions. What I love is, especially on a webinar like this, there's, um, I'm going to make these speak. I'm going to, I'm going to get a message from you, but I, we definitely have some, uh, physician influencers. I'm very happy. They're here. Very well-respected and, and good people. Um, so as I bring that up, but again, I want to remind everybody cause I, I've gotten, <laughs> I, I addressed it earlier, but one is if you have a question, drop it in the chat, but for those who are interested, whether you're a physician in industry, you can join the society of physician entrepreneurs. It's a great society. Again, it's only $80, right? My math isn't very good, but like per month, that's, pretty cheap knowing that you get plugged into this massive network of innovators, entrepreneurs, investors, etc. So make sure to join in, especially if you're in SoCal, please join because I want to I want to build this chapter up to be even bigger. So let's bring up the first question that I got. So we got a lot of great ones. I see Dr. Kossum, but Dr. Lance Black, we're gonna bring up Dr. Lance Black, who was a, a really well known physician. He uh, set up I think, um, uh, the Texas Medical Center is uh, one of their main incubator programs, and now he's at a new role. So Dr. Black's question is, a question that I always get is, is as an advisor, how do I think about being paid in stock uh, slash equity versus cash? Right. I have my own uh, uh, thoughts on this. Uh, Dr. Myers, you want to you take a, a shot of this first? Right. So this is, like he said, and thanks for asking the question, Lance, um, how do I get paid? Uh, and when and how and, and et cetera. So first of all, we're talking about compensation, not just money. So it, it, the, the, it's, the, it's the conversation about compensation. In other words, what are the benefits of my participating in your venture versus the costs? And that's ultimately, by the way, how you're going to decide whether to do this or not. Do the benefits outweigh the cost? And the cost typically is time and expertise mm -hmm. and brain damage and <laughs> and working with the customer. I mean, there's a lot of tangible and intangible costs. So one question I frequently get is, should I take this job? And my answer is, get a legal pad, draw a line down the middle of the page, 
list the costs, list the benefits. If you are a reasonable individual, you're probably not going to do this if the costs exceed the benefits. Not always, because you know, no pain, no gain. But mm -hmm. in general, you're probably not going to do this. And ultimately, depending on the stage of life, your time is your most important asset. And if you're not willing to, if you don't got a good vibe about this, don't waste your time. It's it's too valuable and it's not a high priority. That having said, let's go back to the conversation. So there's basically four ways, four models of your being compensated. One is I'm going to pay you $250 an hour. And that's it. I'm going to call you up. We're going to get into Zoom call. I'm going to talk about whatever I want. And at the end, I'm going to pay you two or before I'm going to pay you 250 bucks. Number two, I want you to work on a project for six months. And for that project, I am going to pay you $3,000 a month. And there are going to be certain benchmarks for the next three months so that if you don't make the benchmark, it's not working. I'm not going to waste the rest of the money because you're not producing. So it's a project based compensation. Um, number four, three, we, and this is one's very common, particularly in startups, uh, the typical refrain, I want you to pay me $250 or I want you to pay me X. Sorry, we're a startup. We don't have the money. Wrong. You have the money. You just don't want to pay me because I understand the risk benefit in your head. We don't know who you are. We can't trust you. Know, that, all that stuff. We don't know whether you could, they want you to take the risk. They don't want to take the risk because they're taking enough risk now as it already is for a startup. So they're going to say, um, uh, uh, no, uh, we don't want to do that. Uh, we're not going to we're not going to pay you. So here's what we're going to do. We want you to help us identify a pie. This is very common. We want you to to help us get our program, product, platform, whatever, into the University of Blank because that's where you work. And they're this huge outfit. And if we get this our product into their place, we get this enormous halo effect and brand equity. And everybody knows that the university of whatever is now using our product. And they say, and if you do that, we will get you a referral or a finder's fee. So it basically, it's a success fee model. The problem with that is you eat what they kill. So you can make the intro and then, but it's up to you for somebody else to do all the heavy lifting and actually close the deal before they actually. Now, mm -hmm. number, number two, if somebody asks you to find money, then you have the SEC and FINRA, which is the regulatory agency for the SEC for stock on your back. It, in a mm -hmm. lot of places, there's a few exceptions where you can be what's called a finder. But if you do not have a securities license and you're running around asking for money from private people under the stipulation that if you give me a dollar, I'm going to get 50 cents in an advisory agreement, that doesn't pass the sniff test. It doesn't pass the New York Times test. Don't do that. So you have to be very careful about what you accept or don't accept in terms of a finder or a referral fee. Finally, the fourth model. So first model per hour, second model per project, third model finder fee, fourth model uh, is a, a retainer. I'm going to work, I'm going to represent your interest and do whatever you want me to do to the best of my ability for pick a number, $5,000 a month. 
$100 a month. I don't care. And we can talk about pricing your services in a minute. But whatever the number is, that's what you're going to pay me at this time, first business day of every month. Be very specific. How are you going to pay me? I'm going to write you a check. No, you're not. You're going to eat. You're going to electronic funds transfer the money to my bank account that I've established separately as an LLC in my consulting. You get the point. You have to be very specific. And oh, by the way, if I don't get the money like you agreed, if you ghost me, if you don't pay, if for some reason or other you give me some uh, some rigmarole, I'm done. That That's it. I'm done. I'm not doing this. So let's be very clear and specific about what the expectations are on both sides. Absolutely. Now, so that's the cash part. The equity part is totally negotiable. And just because of the lack of time, the bottom line is, in general, if you're depending on your role, you're going to get anywhere from 0.25 to 0.5 of the option of the option pool. But and, and all these words mean something. So we need another webinar to explain it. But that's the basic idea. And in general, you could get both. You could get cash or some sort of cash compensation, as I've described, plus equity. You could get just cash. You could get just equity. And the final caveat is if you decide to take equity as compensation, you probably don't know what you don't know about the implications of taking equity in a company. So if you have a trusted advisor, a lawyer, a tax attorney, an accountant, somebody, talk to them before you decide to sign on the dotted line because the dotted line, because that can get you into a whole bunch of tax heartburn. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and and I'm I'm happy you mentioned that because it's an it's an area that's very people people look at the exciting part of like getting equity and everything, but there's these more boring parts that are going to cause you heartache later on that you have to you have to talk to me. again, and and just so people are are aware, I'm only a member, but this is why I I promote like societies and places where genuinely help people. This is why I like the the, the society that you have, Doctor Myers, and that's why I wanted you on the show. Is that you can't just go and Google this stuff and learn about it. Like you have to be within a trusted network of people who say, you know, like for example, like I a couple of weeks ago when I was talking to some of the physicians in, in your group and I shared some things that I made mistakes on, but they're not gonna have to make those mistakes because they're learning through my through through my through my through my history, right? Um the other side of it is that I, yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was gonna make a point, and that is that that as physicians and as as health professionals, we are indoctrinated and enculturated into a payment model that is you get paid for effort, mm -hmm. which is totally screwy. I mean, that's part of the reason sick care is so stupid, but we get paid for effort. It doesn't make a difference if it works or not. It doesn't make a difference if it's successful. If you fill out the forms and send it to somebody to pay you and you say a prayer that they're going to pay you, you get paid whether it works or not. So that's just the mindset of physicians and how they want to get paid. I will tell you that in many industries, that is not the model of how you get paid. I mean, it's like, I don't know whether you've ever sold, sold a house, but that's not how realtors get paid. Realtors get paid at closing and they only get paid at closing if the house sells under certain terms and conditions. They don't get paid for effort. They get paid for results. 
if you work with investment bankers, if you work with angels, if you work with certain other financial service organizations, you don't get paid just because you're a good guy or a good girl. You get paid for results. Mm -hmm. So if you're not willing to buy into that model, and I wouldn't be, be rigid about it, I wouldn't be pigheaded about it. Well, I'm a doctor. You should pay me just for my, because you're getting my opinion. No one else can give you an opinion. Okay. That's not going to work. It's, yeah. So you have to be reasonably flexible. There, if, there if, are, if you want to do it, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. I, I absolutely. I was going to say that in, 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 in the startup world, there are, there are no RVUs, unfortunately, right. everybody, right. no RVUs. Right. And, and, and something I was going to mention, because I, I went through this myself just the other day with a company where it was a startup and they, they, they don't have as much cash to afford certain services I provide, but I thought, okay, they can't afford this. Then I, I said, what can they afford? And we came up with an agreement, which was a mix of cash and equity. Now that equity may not may end up being worth nothing, which for, for people to be aware, it's very difficult for a startup to become this billion dollar unicorn. We see it all the time, but I can tell you, I have a long list of startups that amounted to nothing. You just, you just don't know. Right. It's not enough just to be a really cool technology. So ask yourself. And again, I want to, I, I want to go back to what you mentioned earlier about having a growth mindset is what are you going to gain and who are you going to become as a result of this? Right. And so this company, I decided to take them on and work with them at a, at a big discount, mainly because very good tech, very interesting technology. There's a lot of areas that I don't know about. And so at the very least I'm aiming on just gaining some more knowledge and getting exposure to things. If I get, you know, if I end up having an exit later on, Hey, that's the bonus. But I think when you get so focused on, I need to make the money, that's when I think you start making bad decisions. And this is a good segue to another question someone asked. So let me just follow up on that. Please. The, he the headline is, there's two reasons basically why you are doing this. One is to learn. The other is to earn. Mm. And mm. you can do both. But don't be pigheaded about it. And, and finally, you know, somebody like me, if somebody offers me stock options at a startup, first of all, the likelihood of the startup ever seeing a financial uh, a transaction or an exit is slim to none. Like it statistically, the likelihood of the startup being successful in many industries is less than 5%. Secondly, without going into the details of the vesting and options and stock and all that, by the time I vest and can exercise options, I could be dead. So it, that's it, very for true. Me, for me, it doesn't make, in a lot of instances, it doesn't make sense. If you're 30 years old and you just finished a residency and getting started in this, God bless you. Take advantage of the time value of failure. But I, for somebody like me, it doesn't make sense. You understand yeah. what I mean by the time value of failure? It's a low when you're younger, you can afford to make a whole bunch of mistakes. God knows we all have. But when you're older, you pay a higher price when you make them. So that's what I'm suggesting. Absolutely. 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 I, I completely agree. There, there's one uh, comment that I want to pull up. Um, ah, here we go. So Dr. Michael Baum asks, what is the difference between solver and seeker? Um, I mean, you can both riff on this. Dr. Myers, take, you, you run with it first. Um, so what I mean by that is that uh, 
you know, there, there, there's that old, you know, the seven, what was that? The seven essentials or that old book with, by what's oh, his seven name? habits of highly seven, successful seven people. Habits by of, Covey. Exactly. So one for, of them for everyone is, asking, this is a real library I'm in. It's not right, a, so, it's not a fake background. Right, so, <laughs> so one of the saying, nothing's new under the sun. I mean, this is, we keep talking about this. That's so true. So, That's his, so true. his take on this was if you want to, if you want to be understood, seek to understand. So in other words, you, you have to understand the problem that the client is trying to solve. If you are a med tech company and you're talking to me as an advisor, and, and I have these conversations, fortunately, fairly often with potential people that want to talk to me. So I say, the first thing I say is, what, what are you trying to solve? What, what problem are you trying to solve? It gets to step number one. Is this in my sweet spot? Is this something I'm interested in? I mean, what do I care about something that I'm not interested in? So if they tell me, um, for example, again, I'm an ear, nose, and throat surgeon. We're trying to cure tinnitus, ringing in the ears. A gazillion people in the world have it. There's no cure for it. Well, that's kind of interesting. Maybe it's something I'm interested in doing. Tell me a little bit more about how you're going to do this. And this gets into the lean startup methodology. It gets into the business model canvas. It gets into underlying hypotheses and whether they're validated or not. It's under, It's about, does anybody want to buy this thing or use it? I mean, what's the evidence? It exactly. Gets to, so it gets to desirability, feasibility, and viability of the business model. So help me understand, at this point of your venture, what evidence, not your thoughts, not your wild ass guess, not your I thought it was a good idea. What mm -hmm. evidence do you have that your idea at this stage of the game is desirable, is feasible, and that you have a valid business model so you actually make more money than you spend so you can share it with me? Absolutely. That's what, that's what I mean by understanding the problem. Absolutely. The solution could be many, many different ways to skin the cat. But you need to understand the problem first. Yeah, and and just to you know make a I want to because this is like a, a big thing even with companies this is actually the most common topic that I have to advise and I sometimes I get a headache having to keep repeating this, which is one is uh, for for physicians who are evaluating a company like look at the thing that they that a company's come up with ask yourself like is this a vitamin meaning like eh, it's a nice to have or is it really a painkiller does it really solve a huge problem. And it doesn't even have to be a huge problem. I've seen devices where they're so low tech, but it solves a, a, a problem. Like, you know, and what I would say is that, you know, when I was in Missouri Robotics, we did robotic spine company and there was a, a, an that we were public in the market. Somebody in the market said like, well, the robot's only used for spine surgery, right? Because you can't use it for anything else. Well, Coca-Cola, you know, I'm not a fan of Coca-Cola, by the way, but you can't wash your hair with it. It only does one thing, right? And so really understanding what is the problem they're solving? Like how big of a problem is that, right? And I think that as a startup, but also as a med tech advisor, and this is million dollar advice for physicians here, become the expert of a problem. Own the heck out of it. Great example, I see Dr. Kossum Butt here. So Dr. Kossum Butt is an interventional nephrologist. He has gone very far to own the problem of, understanding kidney health, right? For the main, for the main public, right? For me, problem that I, I own is, you know, uh, technology adoption, right? 
if you go as a physician and pick something and say, I'm, I'm going to be the, 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 the expert of, of, under, of understanding and framing these problems, that's when the opportunities start coming your way, right? That's just, that's the, 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 at least the thought I have. And then let me Man. just mention, let me just m mention one other thing. And that is, it's not just the problem, it's whose problem. Ah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Why, it's, why is that? It why starts, is that? It starts with the customer. Who is the customer and what is their problem you're trying to solve? Why is that really important in sick care? Because there are a whole slew of folks that are involved in sick care before it can get to the market and before you can do something. Fundamentally, it's operations, finance, IT, and clinicians. They And of course, there's patients, there's all kinds of stakeholders. But if you want to sell something, you're going to have to satisfy the interest of at least four people that have a job title, if not 10. They all want something different. That's the problem that you have to solve. How do you create a value proposition that meets the needs of each of those stakeholders so it solves their problem? Typical example, you're an artificial intelligence healthcare company with the, the latest and the greatest. Mm -hmm. You're throwing your stuff over the transom to 300 hospitals a day, and you're knocking on doors and trying to get the CIO to buy your stuff or to use it. Now you got to talk to the finance person. Now you got to talk to the IT team. Now you got to talk to the clinicians. Now you got to talk to the CEO and the operations people. Now you got to talk to the nursing staff. There's a whole group of folks that have different problems they want solved. And you, if you're smart, you, you don't take a big bite. Of, you, you can't do all that. So start small, pick one customer, Try to understand what their needs, their the jobs, pains, and gains they want you to fulfill and fill it at a small level and then extend it. Don't try to boil the ocean. It just doesn't work. You'll, you'll kill yourself trying to do it, really, literally. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't have said it better. I, I, I couldn't have said it better. Um, we got a lot of uh, questions. So let me bring up. Uh, and let me just say. if you, Oh, if yeah, you go ahead. Yeah, if you want me to hang around forever, I can. Oh yeah, I was gonna say I don't have anything after this, and like. No, I'm good. If you want, no, it's I'm, good. I'm I'm good too. I mean, we have a lot of people on the stream right now. Yeah. <laughs> the number keeps going up. Actually, every time I look down, the keep number keeps going yeah. up. So we have a well, lot of people you know, on. I I think if these folks got up at two in the morning in Sri Lanka, the least we can do is give it. Yeah, yeah. is is go a little bit past the hour. Yeah, yeah I agree. Right. I right. I totally agree. All right. Um. So something uh, this is gonna this will cover both our phases. I'm just gonna read this comment. Um, it's not a question, but a quick comment. So Dr. Francisco Rain, great conversation, sage advice. As Dr. Myers summarized, it's more than just being a subject matter expert. I'm seeking to branch from innovation within healthcare delivery system management slash management into industry and welcome any advice or tips for broader exposure volunteering. Great, uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Rain, for suggesting that. Shameless plug again. I, I I'm just gonna be honest with you. Go go to sopenet.org. Join join the society and and also uh, look look up the Society of Physician Entrepreneurs YouTube page and on LinkedIn. There's a huge uh, private group on LinkedIn. Everybody can join that. But you really you know you get what you pay for. The good stuff is in the is in the membership. So go to sopenet.org. Right, 
and and you'll see it. You'll see it in right. the scroller. But I want to be. I want to specifically answer his question because it's a good one. Oh yeah, yeah, um, please. Um, so what you're going to need to to transition from just being—I don't mean just—I mean from just for being a clinician, as good as you are, to being something else, like a non-clinical career progression. Um, and we we you've heard us talk about the other stuff. So fundamentally, what you're going to need to supplement your clinical judgment, wisdom, expertise, transferable skills is or are education. And I mean business education. I mean innovation, entrepreneurship education. So education and access to resources, networks, 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 mentors, peer support, and non-clinical career guidance. Did I say networks? <laughs> this is about who you know. Yep. And, and the problem is, it's not necessarily what you know, that's part of it, but it's who you know. And that and we haven't even talked about the bias and the discrimination and the prejudice and all the unfair stuff that happens in the world. But best case, it's about who you know. And so if you have limited networks, and this may be a segue into using LinkedIn for you, Omar. But if oh, you yeah. Have, if if you that. have limited networks... And most people I know in medicine and science do. They have very, first of all, a lot of them are linked out. They don't even have, they don't even participate. They say, I say, well, can you connect to me on LinkedIn? I don't, I don't use LinkedIn. Why? It's just a pain in the neck and I don't like it. Okay. You want to cut your nose off to spite your face, knock yourself out. But I'm not going to talk to you because it tells me you're, you don't have an interest in doing, it's part of pitching. You're selling yourself. And the most commonly used, there's several hundred million people on LinkedIn. It's it's so many, many people are linked out. That's bad. If so, if at the end of this webinar you do not have a LinkedIn profile, the single thing I would recommend you do when this is over is create one. And there's the right way and the wrong way to do it. So, Omar, take it from there. <coughs> Thank you. Thank you for the intro. And yeah, I couldn't have said it better. So I'm, I'm making a little banner here. Um, all right. So let me add, let me add our banner here. Okay. You're going to love this, Dr. Myers. It's, it's kind of like a ESPN around the horn. So I'm going to share my screen here, uh, but people will be, our little pixel will be off to the, to the right or to the left. So we'll, people will still see us. All right. Let's see. And Dr. Marge, if you can confirm if you guys can see my screen. Yeah, I can see it. Okay. So I'm going to go through this really, you know, kind of quickly at a high level, but I'm, I'm going to cover some main things. The way that you want to look at LinkedIn is that this is a website for you, right? So that's kind of an obvious thing. But what I would say is that just like when you go to apple.com or anything, there's a lot of money that's spent to get somebody there. What you need to do is make sure if somebody lands on this website of yours, everything that's there right? Persuades. The first thing I want to show that a lot of people aren't aware of is LinkedIn. If you look at Google, so if I Google my name, right? And this is, this is, I'm the only Omar M. Khatib in the world, right? I did publish something a while back. That's why you're seeing these things. There's 607,000 results for me. The first thing that comes up is my LinkedIn profile. I have a YouTube page. I have podcasts. The first thing that comes up is that. 
I'll show you a physician I know, Dr. Andrew Sauer, really well-known cardiologist at uh, University of Kansas. He's very big on Twitter. First thing that comes up, his faculty page, and then his LinkedIn page. The reason why I show you this is because since LinkedIn is ranked as the number one most trusted, most secure social media platform for four years straight, Google ranks it high. And so when you click on uh, this profile, right? Oops, that's his faculty page. When you click on your link on the LinkedIn profile, the one thing you want to make sure you do is open your privacy settings and, and so that whether someone's connected with you or not, right, they can see everything here. A lot of times people have this uh, as, as, um, as private, and so the picture is grayed out. You can't see anything. Make it so that somebody, if they're not logged into LinkedIn or not even connected to you, if they end up on your profile, everything is visible. Now let's go back and talk about different ways to make a profile look good. So let me show you Dr. Myers, and I'm going to show different types of physicians at different points in their careers so it's applicable to everyone. So again, Dr. Miles Myers is just very well established in his career. He's also, you know, running a society. So a couple things. One is you got a banner back here, right? So that, again, that's helpful for, for the page instead of having it just grayed out, right? The one thing I would I would say, and I'll help you, Dr. Myers, is that LinkedIn made changes to their uh, to their dimensions. So maybe we'll make this a little bit smaller so it's fully visible. On on mobile, it's probably visible. The second thing is, and let me refresh this page. LinkedIn has an introductory video feature. So when you hover over this uh, this image on mobile, and for some reason it's not coming up right now. Let me see. There we go. And I'm Dr. Arlen Myers. I'm a nurse professor at the University of Colorado School of Medicine and president and CEO of the Society of Physician Entrepreneurs at www.soapnet.org. Thanks for checking my profile. And so this doesn't have to be a highly produced video. This was taken probably with an iPhone, but it's great because it, it provides a personalized introduction to who he is. The second thing, and this is a, look, every physician who's listening to this, listen to when I say this, you spent a lot of money to get your degree, market it. So again, Dr. Myers has MD and MBA here. I see a lot of physicians who just put their first and last name. They don't put their, their designation. Put your designation here because a lot of times, and again, I was the guy who hired and cut checks for advisors. I'll come into LinkedIn. I might type in urologist, right, and MD and click search. And there's some urologists who don't come up because they don't put MD there. So make sure on your LinkedIn, Put MD, if you're part of the uh, uh, Fellowship of American College of Surgery, put facts there. Just put your designation, MDDO. The next thing is your headline, okay? Your headline can be one of two things. It could focus on your title and designation. It could also focus on a tagline, depending on what you're trying to accomplish. At this point at his career, Dr. Myers doesn't need to do that. Everyone, you know, at least if you're, if you're in the world of physician entrepreneurship, they know Dr. Myers because of society, right? So the most, the three most important things, whether you're a physician or an industry that you're going to have on your LinkedIn, this photo, your name, and this headline. Okay. And Let me give very, you and be very careful about the photo that you use. This yes. Is not, this is not Facebook. This is not Tinder. This is not put up a professional picture. And the exactly. last thing, the last thing in the world you want to do is have no picture and just put up your first name with an initial after it. I don't know who you are. I don't it's know. It's sketchy, right? I mean, I so bottom line, if someone requests that I connect to them and they don't have bare bones, basic profession, I'm not talking about, you know, a big deal. 
If you don't have a picture, if you don't have your full name, and if you don't tell me who you are or what you're doing, I'm not connected to you. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, I completely agree. And, you know, to, to go back to your point about growing your network, the reason why you want to grow your network on LinkedIn and connect with people, even if you haven't met them, is that number one, when you go on the home um, on the homepage of LinkedIn, this newsfeed, you start getting information. That's how you start getting exposure to new information, uh, different uh, articles, opportunities, et cetera, right? That's number one. But the second thing is that when you do a post yourself or even comment, the, grow, the larger your network is, the more opportunity you have to market yourself where someone's going to say, you know, I really like Dr. Smith's point of view on this subject. Let's reach out to them and see if they'll do a webinar. This is how I uh, ended up inviting Dr. Myers on, on my show because I had read some of his articles, some of his posts and I, from a few years ago. I said, I really want him on my show. The second thing I do want to suggest is that if you use a hashtag, so let's say I see a lot of cardiologists on here. So you start typing in cardio, right? You'll see here at the top, different hashtags that start popping up. The top one is usually the most followed. So let's click on cardiology, okay? Now, there's 11,000 people following this. So this is a hashtag you would use when you do a post. But more importantly, click this button. So now I'm following cardiology. So when there's interesting posts in the cardiology world, I'm going to start seeing it. This is the way that not only you, continue, you do continuing education as a clinician, you start getting exposure to what new technologies are there, conferences, societies, right? Let me show you just a couple of examples of other physicians and different ways to do your, um, your, your profile and your headline. And again, let's go to my, this is going to be embarrassing for some people, but if we look at, like, these are all people I'm going to accept, right? Because, you know, clear picture, I can see what they do, right? Now, let me show you some some examples of people I would not uh, connect with. For example, this person, Jason, sorry, Jason, I'm going to use that as an example. I can see what his role is, but like, I don't see a picture. Nobody's going to go and click your profile to look at more. They're going to judge you based on your photo, your name, this headline. Okay. So a couple of people I want to show as examples. So Kasim Butt, again, has his MD there. Nice photo. He has a banner that promotes his channel that he focuses on kidney health, right? And he focuses on certain keywords, physician leader, interventional nephrologist. So when somebody searches these terms, he'll pop up, but he also adds things that differentiate him, right? If you try and focus on how you're better than someone with designations, et cetera, that's like using features and benefits to win a deal. You have to focus on being different and making people make a choice, right? So he puts other things that he does, right? A couple other people I want to show you. Let's see. Ira Kirschenbaum, who I've worked with uh, myself. So Ira, Ira is the uh, chair of orthopedic surgery at Bronx Care, but also the founder of, of uh, the Journal of Orthopedic Experience and Innovation, the first journal that publishes solely on LinkedIn, right? So he leads with who he helps, helping orthopedic surgeons democratize publishing through the first and only fully open access journal. It's very clear what he does. Then he has a call to action and then, you know, some other designations, Okay. One other, one other one I'm going to show, uh, where, where are we? Here we go. Dr. Michael Verdon. So Michael Verdon is going through my, my program right now, has his designations, spine surgeon using machine learning to transform patient symptoms into a triage and predictive diagnosis. So it's very clear what this person does, what their interests are. If you do anything after this, uh, this live stream, I recommend have a clear picture like Dr. Uh, Meyer said, and again, a good picture. It doesn't have to be a professional headshot. If it's a picture of you speaking, 
you know, like Dr. Kirschenbaum has one of him speaking. That's fine. But like Dr. Meyer said, it's not, this is not Facebook. It's not Instagram, right? Um, you're going to make an impression, but you don't want to make the wrong impression, right? And then focus on your headline. Who, what, what are your interests? What problems do you solve? Okay. And then the last thing I'm going to, I want to show, and then I want to, I'm going to come back to you, Dr. Miles, and we can uh, wrap things up. I see a lot of other questions. So we'll try and cover a few more questions before we hop off is that, for example, I see a lot of young uh, physicians who are on here as well, who just started. Here's somebody, I actually went to medical school with Chet. So this is Dr. Chester Donnelly. He's a spine surgeon. He's been in practice just for a couple of years now. But again, great banner. Shows him in surgery, shows him, you know, working with patients, right? Kind of like, it's like a nice website. Next thing, very clear who he is, what he does, and what he focuses on, right? Then afterwards, he puts a few other things that differentiate him. He's a speaker, research researcher, unpaid digital branding consultant. And the reason why he puts that there is because when you go to his featured section, which maybe I do a webinar and I'll teach everybody how to do, set this up, you can turn something called creator mode on and certain posts you can highlight here. So as somebody comes here, right, let's say it's a company, another physician, and they're trying to learn about him rather than just going straight to, okay, what's, what's his education experience, which is not very long because he just got out of school. But instead, they see these featured posts that he, he made about cases he's covered, videos, et cetera, right? The one thing, and this is where, uh, let me come back to you, Dr. Myers, and I'll stop sharing my screen. There we go. The one thing that I, that I, I would recommend to people is not everybody is going to be chair of, you know, the Department of Surgery at Hopkins, right? Not everybody is going to have a bunch of publications. There's a lot of people who are like my father, private practice physicians, right? They have, they're in solo practice, for example. LinkedIn is the democratizing factor in the sense that you get to go straight to the market with your story, your brand, and without having to wait for a meeting or interview, demonstrate through engagement and content, your knowledge base, right? What you're learning, helping others, connecting, and if you do that consistently over time, every week, put up a post, every week, engage with content, people will notice that your network will go and you will be surprised the amount of opportunities that start coming your way. Dr. Myers, let me take a moment to, to stop talking and just kind of get your thoughts on, on everything. No, I think everyone gets the point. You have to network. And in order to network, you have to have marketing collateral. And in order to have marketing collateral, you have to have a decent LinkedIn page, uh, plus a whole bunch of other stuff. But that's the bottom line. So do it. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. And let me see. Um, we have some. Um, oh, um, this is, I guess, uh, Dr. Myers, both both of us, we can kind of talk about. So Dr. Uh, Gopal, Gopal uh, Bajaj, Dr. Bajaj, thanks for asking right. this question. Right. The question is, can you speak a bit of how to market outside our network? Right. So this is a very good question. And I take it by your uh, affiliation that you're a uh, radiation oncologist. Um, so a couple of comments. One, uh, most white coats have narrow networks. We've already talked about that. So fix it through the techniques we've been talking about. Number two, um, don't confine your networks to within, in this case, radiation oncology. I mean, you already know a whole lot of folks in radiation oncology through your professional association. The, and again, sick care cannot be fixed from inside. The problems are too big and too complicated. They simply cannot be fixed by people like us. 
it takes a whole lot of folks to fix the problem. So second point, network with people outside of medicine. The, the biggest advances in medicine typically do not happen from within medicine. GPS, aerospace, telemedicine. I mean, it goes on and on and on. It didn't get invented by famous doctors. It got invented by engineers and these imaginative people and all that. So develop robust networks outside of medicine. How do you do that? I'm talking manufacturing. I don't care what it is. Manufacturing, aerospace, media, telecom. That's where you're going to meet these folks. And incidentally, in many instances, those industries have solved the problems that plague sick care. Now, Amazon is a good example. And the latest things that are happening, they're like the data kings. They have, or search. Google has solved that problem. If you embed that into an electronic medical record, so all you have to do is search for something and it pops up, why isn't it in the record? Well, there's a whole lot of reasons, but you get the point. So expand your network outside. To your point, how do you do that? on LinkedIn or on social media, using the techniques that Omar described, you have to physically get out there. You got to get out of the office. Now, that was a problem with COVID. Fortunately, these days, you can get out. And there's actually a book called Never Eat Alone, which really goes into the ins and outs of networking. And it was a bestseller for a while, but if you haven't, you could probably get it for a nickel used on Amazon now with a $10 shipping fee. But uh, you can, I would recommend that you basically get out of the box and that takes effort. And if you just go to meetup in your neighborhood and you sign up for meetup and you say, tell me about all the meetups that are happening in my neighborhood or my city. You can go to every, you can go to one every day and, and just go and just meet people. And you just never know where the next person you may want to help or can help you will come from. This particularly applies to investors. You just never know where that person is going to come from or where their interest is. It could be in the seat next to you in the airplane. Hint, if you can afford first class, five first class, because that's where you meet these folks. If you can't, maybe somebody sitting next to you wants... You know, you, you just never know and have the pitch ready. And when I say have the pitch ready, Arlen, what do you do? I help people get their ideas to patients. Really? What's that mean? Oh, I run something called the society. And then you just go down the rabbit hole. It's like, tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. And what about you? Oh, I have a son who has an incurable disease. I wish they thought it could and it's not the first conversation that results in a multi-million dollar investment in a biotech company. That's a true story. So I, I really encourage you to get out, expand the network, expand outside your area of interest and do it in as many different ways as you can find. Absolutely. And, and I, uh, I'm going to share my screen just to, you know, so I'm going to give, I love giving advice that somebody can take action on like right now. So, to, to Dr. Meyer's point, like this stuff is valuable, but it's valuable because it's not easy to do, right? Like you do have to put some effort into it just because you're a doctor 
just because you have maybe a, a, a academic position, it's not enough, right? And again, to the point of network, right? For example, both Dr. Myers and I, we have really big networks. It's not only physicians for Dr. Myers, it's not only medical uh, device professionals in my network. For me and, and Dr. Myers, there's investors who are connected and following us, there are VPCOs, et cetera. So when I, for example, when I post something, right? A lot of people end up engaging with my posts. They at least see it. One of the smarter things to do is take advantage of leaving a comment on those posts because a lot of people that you're unaware of or who are unaware of you will see that, right? And I've heard of people being able to raise money, get connected to new uh, opportunities just because somebody noticed over a period of a few weeks that, oh, this person leaves like really interesting comments on these posts because they they pop up on the newsfeed. And I just want to... Um, share my screen i just want to show uh, give a couple of tactical pieces of advice for people on what that looks like and then dr miles will will take take a last call for question then we'll we'll wrap it up so thank you all for man no, i'm telling you that, no, that number keeps going up <laughs> good so i'll give you an example uh, dr miles can you see my screen yeah okay here's some easy things to do for example okay Moby Parsons is a, is a is an orthopedic surgeon, right? If you don't have time to create content, you don't have to create like a, a video like this. Dr. Eric Bicker does a great job, by the way. Sometimes it's just about going and leaving comments and leaving your thoughts on the content that was shared, okay? And so all the people in this post, plus the people who are in these networks, are seeing his comment because it's the most relevant, right? If we click on who liked it, who liked it, Dr. Eric Bicker, the co-founder of this company, right? marketing director at this company. So when these people liked his comment, their network saw it. So their network got exposure to his photo, his name, and his title, right? It's literally just that simple. You can just get in a habit, download the LinkedIn app, and every day just say, I'm going to go and engage and leave thoughtful comments, right? The other thing is that, for example, Dr. Andrew Sauer. Andrew Sauer's got a huge, I mean, he's got a big following on Twitter and on LinkedIn, but a lot of times it's not, you know, super creative content, but it's it's quality. For example, he posted this uh, screenshot of some 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 image from a publication and and left left this post, right? Right. I'm not a cardiologist, so I have no I have no idea what this means. <laughs> but look, 134 people engaged with this, right? But again, here's the opportunity: 134 people engaged with. Based on the algorithm, I can tell you that in terms of the number of times this was views, it's probably over 5,000. There's only two comments on this. That's it, right? So this gentleman here just got a lot of exposure to his name and his, his face and brand, right? So go and engage with uh, content like this, engage with content like mine. People will see your comment and then go click the, uh, this button here. Oh, let me back up. Click this button where you can see all the people who liked and commented. And as you scroll down, look, I can start adding some of these people because they'll accept my request because they know that I've engaged, you know, with that with that post before. I'm I'm recognizable. This takes a few minutes a day, guys and gals. It it really does. And the last thing I want to mention is, and I'm going to use Dr. Parsons as an example. Look, especially I mean physicians in general, but especially if you're a surgeon, right? Like just document the journey. Like, look, he he posted this. Looks like it was a, a letter or some certification, right? Sometimes, you know, just putting a photo up and maybe reflecting, you know, I think it's okay to do that every now and then, right? There's a lot to medicine and business than just strategy and tactics. There's the leadership aspect. There's the, 
uh, self-help aspect, right? But especially those of you who are in cases, you know, you can post your case, share what happened, right? So here, you know, how much hardware are you taking out and what are you worried about before cutting, right? That's a simple, this took a few seconds to make. This got 51 likes, 12 comments. The whole idea is how do you, how do you gain attention? How do you engage with people, right? And if you do this over time, think of it like from a growth mindset. The goal is like, yeah, I want to get an advisory role or something. But over time, you're adding to your skill stack. You're adding to your wealth of knowledge. You're starting to get exposure to new areas of industry. You're starting to learn about different things. And then you're developing a network. If you do that, then over time, everything else takes care of itself. Dr. Myers, um, it looks like I think we, we have a lot of people saying a lot of nice things, but I think we, we don't have any more uh, questions. I'll give everyone like one more minute if they have to ask questions, but just clo closing thoughts for you. Um, yeah, well, my closing thought is that uh, this is all well and good, but it's worthless if you don't do it. So it's like any sort of innovation in entrepreneurship. It's 99% perspiration. So I've seen, I mean, we've all seen a lot of, yeah, good idea, great idea. Thanks a lot. I'm going to go home and do this. If you, if you don't make this a habit, and, and I disagree that if this takes a couple minutes a day, it doesn't take a couple minutes a day. If you do commenting, this, commenting takes a couple minutes a day, you, though. Come on. Yeah, I'm yes. going to push back on that. Commenting, but, yes. But if you want the title of this webinar is how do you become a top, top med tech yep. You got me on that. All right. Yep. So if you want to be a me too or a wannabe, great. But if you want to get to the top, you're going to have to put effort into this. I, You're right. And so once you fill in all the blanks and create the product, then you're going to have to spend time pretty much on a regular basis managing your brand. And and that's you managing it, not hiring an agency, right. by no, the way. No. So yeah. you're going to have to commit to doing this. So how do you do that? You make it a habit. How do you make it a habit? You do it every day for a, you crawl before you walk, before you run. So, and a perfect example, I write a lot of stuff and I don't have to go through the rigmarole, but I, I wrote an article called how to write 500 words, 500 words on how to write 500 words a day. Now, my suggestion to you is 500 words is about two paragraphs, anything. I don't care what it is. You could write about anything. It could be on a piece of paper. It could be on a laptop. I don't care what it is. But the beauty of LinkedIn is you can publish anything. If, if, if you think it's professional and you want to do it and you don't embarrass yourself and you're not going to aggravate a lot of people, then, but practice as an example, start small and little by little, just make it a habit until you get to a point where you feel good about what you're doing. It's not perfect. You know, perfect is the enemy of good and then publish it, share it, put it in a comment, just write something. And people say, oh, no, 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 you're going to be overexposed. You're communicating. My view, you can never communicate too much. You can mm -hmm. only do it wrong. So don't worry about. And the last point I'll make is the beauty of medicine is, I mean, there's a lot wrong with medicine, but the beauty of medicine in terms of this conversation is we are so risk averse and resistant to change 
that what you post, what I posted seven years ago is still relevant. So you can repurpose it. You kind of modify it. You bring it up to date. Maybe you put some timely news into it. But the fundamental message is pretty much the same. The issues are the same and have been for year after year after year. And you know the list. So the good news is I've written a whole bunch of stuff and I can repurpose it with syndicate it with other groups. I can put it on. I created a newsletter. You can put it on different news sites, whatever podcasts like this. So uh, once you get to a point, it gets easier and easier and you develop economies of scale. Absolutely. And and to your point, I, I completely agree. Yes. You know, leaving comments here and there, it takes a few minutes to say, but to be a top med tech advisor, to, to really be at the top of your game, it does take effort and work. You have to publish articles, maybe do videos, and it, it has to be consistent. Look, at this point, I'm almost at 30,000 uh, followers. A lot of people in my industry know me. Every week, I got to put in the time and effort. It's not something like, oh, now I'm here. I'm just going to coast. It just There's no such thing. Yeah. Um, you know. and, and incidentally, LinkedIn uh, limits you to 30,000 connections. So, oh, if you if you do if you do connection requests, that's right. But then if you do a good job of creating the content, people will follow you, which is how you get to hundreds of thousands. Right, right. Yes, that is correct. Right. That is that is that is correct. And you know, the other thing on the article side that many people don't know is that LinkedIn is highly optimized for search on Google. And so a lot like I, one of my articles on robotics a few years ago that I only published on LinkedIn has been actually cited in a few medical journals. Because when they did the search on that topic, my article just popped up. So again, to Dr. Meyer's point, like if you want to be a top med tech advisor, if you want to get these opportunities, like you have to put the time and effort in, and it has to be done over a period of time. Like it's it's just like getting in great shape. Like you're not going to get in fighting shape and be ripped in a month or two. Like it's going to take longer than that, and you have to you have to do a lot of maintenance. You know. So on that note, I wanted to thank. Thank you, Dr. Myers, for coming back on. Um, I'm pretty sure based on the turnout, this is gonna we're gonna be doing this again very soon. So we're gonna have All to right, find yeah, a second topic. Sure. Yeah, no, I'm happy to do it. And I appreciate everybody's interest in uh, staying up at night or early in the morning, wherever you are. I mean, this this is a very, very big topic. It's not something that we learn in med school. It's why one of the reasons we created the Society of Physician Entrepreneurs to address this unmet need. And I'm happy to uh, participate and educate you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and we, Dr. Orange, you have, you have a couple more, there, somebody asked a good question that I think, I think sure. we should cover. All right. We're going to, we're going to cover one, one, one more question. Um, let me, let me find it real quick. Where, where are we? Um, okay. So we'll both refer that. So the, the, Dr. Bauman asked, how do you find a mentor? Use LinkedIn. And I would say put out enough content that somebody has an interest to mentor you. No. Well, here's so again, this uh, first of all, so let me just make a couple points about mentors and mentees. Uh, number one, there is a difference between a mentor, a coach, a sponsor and a friend. Mm -hmm. So a mentor is somebody that kind of just gives you advice and, you know, tells you what to do and that kind of stuff. And you can do it or you're not, or, you know, just kind of kumbaya and that kind of thing. A sponsor is someone who invests in you, not necessarily money, but they, they, 
and I can give you multiple examples. Like if you're trying to run a program in your organization, an intrapreneur, you have to have a sponsor. The sponsor does two things. It could be a, a chairman of your department. It could be a dean. It could be a, 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 a your boss, anybody. The sponsor does two things. One, they provide you with access to resources that you otherwise could not get. And two, they run political cover. Because when you're trying to change something, you can expect arrows in the back. And if you don't have someone who has the respect and the clout to run cover for you, it doesn't make any difference if you have street cred. That helps. But you have to have somebody covering your back. So let's be clear about now, as far as a mentor is concerned, um, send me an email. There you go. I mean, that, I mean, that's that's what this organization is about. And we chat and here's what I think. And, you know, if you have a problem, I'll help you try help you try to solve it. Yeah. That's what the organization is about. Just re yeah, I agree. Just reach out and ask people. So a couple couple quick notes uh, as reminders for people. Number one, if you're a clinician, um, whether you're a PA, a nurse, a physician, look in the chat. I'm also I'm going to email this to everybody, but you will be able to unlock a free AMA PRA Category One CME credit. I dropped it in the chat right now, so you can copy paste that link or just wait for my email. I'll be sending that to everybody. Um, takes thirty seconds. Reflect on some key points that you learned about. And of course, just to just to remind everybody, join the Society of Physician Entrepreneurs. It's only $80. It's probably going to go up. But again, it's a great society. You get plugged into not only uh, a society with other physicians who are in the entrepreneurial world. There are people who are non-physicians like myself who, who will be able to help. It's a great program. Make sure you follow uh, SOPE on LinkedIn and YouTube. But go ahead to uh, SOPENet.org and join the society today. And Dr. Myers, I'm going to have you give, I guess, the last the last word, and then we'll we'll end the broadcast. So again, I'll just repeat: make it personal, but don't take it personally. You know, find your whatever trips your trigger. Um, personally, intrinsically motivate you. Get in touch with that, and then just go for it. I mean, you're going to fail. You get up, do it again. You're going to fail. So the subtext of that is: you give up on your idea, but you don't give up on yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and last shout out, Dr. Kossin, but one of the best webinars I've seen on LinkedIn, uh, Omar, just joined the Society of Physician Entrepreneurs. All right. See, fantastic. Just take take action, people. There Good you go. Marketing, marketing in action. Right. There we go. <laughs> Thanks. Well, th thank you all. Thank you all for joining. Dr. Myers, stay on the broadcast for a second. We'll chat. Uh, this is another episode of the State of MedTech. If you enjoyed this broadcast, hey, do us a favor. Go check us out on, on Spotify or Apple. Leave us a five-star review. Follow us on LinkedIn. Follow us on YouTube. For those who watched live or watching on replay, we'll be sending you an email with all the information about the society, but also links to get your CME credit. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thanks.